0: Hello everyone. Welcome to our third solo episode of the season. I am so happy to be with you guys today. What I actually decided to do for this solo episode is share a live stream that I did because when I thought about what topic felt really important to talk about on the podcast right now, it really was this. And so instead of trying to recreate it in that way, I decided to just go ahead and share this live stream because it really feels like this is the meat and potatoes of what we need to talk about right now as it relates to kind of what's going on in this season and what's alive for Angie right now. So what we talk about in this live stream is unconventional strategies for scaling. And so what I mean by that is things that feel like oh that's not how i want to scale like saying no to money right but how important that is to scaling so we'll talk about different things like saying no to money disappointing people releasing control different things like that that don't always get talked about as it relates to scaling but are actually really really important and i think crucial in many ways for doing it in a way that is sustainable and is not built entirely on working harder, controlling more, all of that kind of stuff. And I think that that's what we see Angie working through so much this season. And she's you know, kind of so beautifully taking us on that journey. And I think hearing the things that we talk about in this live stream and then being able to kind of relate it to what you've seen so far with Angie, I feel like will be really, really helpful. So I'm gonna let you guys dive into that. But thank you as always for being here, for listening. Whether you are someone who is actively scaling right now, obviously this will be helpful, but if you are someone who is not quite there yet, this is actually also going to be quite helpful because I think it will show you what some of the challenges or resistance places might be as you think about scaling the business, as you think about growing the business bigger than yourself. And the sooner that we can realize those things and start to look at them, work through them, Find our way and then find what feels best to us there, the less and less we have resistance to actually growing bigger, to so actually expanding, and the less that we rely solely on kind of like our own hard work as the engine to make that happen. So I really hope this serves you no matter what stage you're at. Again, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening, and I'm excited to share this with you. Today, you know what I want to talk about is like unconventional strategies for scaling that I feel like don't get talked about enough that I think are really important. One of them is saying no to money. So we'll talk about that. But I think I have like three or four others that I want to go into too. It's so funny too, because I am i think I've been saying this a lot lately, but I am on this kick of hating the word scaling because I feel like all it means in our industry is make more money. And like, that's not actually like the actual definition of scaling a business is not just making more money. It's when you can raise revenue at a rate that outpaces, like your expenses going up too, right? So it's like, you're raising profitability, right? Versus just making more. And I feel like constantly in this space, all anyone means when they say scale is they mean make more revenue, right? And it's like, that's not actually what scaling means. Making more revenue in a very specific way that outpaces the growth of your expenses. So it looks like revenue growing more than expenses. And I feel like that never gets talked about here. So anyway, I use the term scaling here because obviously it's like important. We're all talking about it, but I just want to like name that as something that has been driving me crazy lately. And we're gonna talk about it with that in mind because I feel like that is an important part of the conversation. It's not just about more revenue, because if you're expenses track with that, like it almost doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So that is important to say. And so all of the things I want to talk about today are with that in mind of like, are we keeping profitability in mind? How are we thinking about scaling without scaling all of our expenses at the exact same rate, that kind of thing. So that is where we are at. So let's talk about the first one, which is saying no to money, which I feel like is one of the hardest, I think, for people when they're trying to grow their business, and that's like exactly why I wanted to like level set with that scaling definition. Because if what you mean by scaling is just make more revenue, then yeah, it's like super fucking hard to say no to money because it feels like it goes against what your single goal is, right? Of make more money. But if you really think about it, it's like doing in a strategic way that is able to grow without expenses increasing significantly, then it's actually really important to be able to say no to money sometimes. I feel like it is one of the hardest things for most people because it feels like the whole point in your business was to like get clients and get people who wanted to pay you. And so then when you have that and you have to say no to it, I think it can be so disorienting and it can feel really, really hard. It's really an important skill to be able to have to scale effectively because when you're at a certain point in your business, a lot of people will ask you for a lot of things, right? Which again, feels like the dream, I think. So it can feel really hard to kind of have that coming at you and not say yes to that. But what it ultimately does, and the reason it's so important to be able to say no there is because so often it takes your mind and your energy off that ultimate goal. So, Let's say like your way of actually scaling, i.e. increasing revenue without increasing expenses, is through like a membership or something. Let's just say that's it for you. But then over here, a bunch of people are asking if you'll do like VIP days or something. Well, like it seems like a great idea. Why wouldn't you say yes to a VIP day? Like, oh my gosh, you could make X amount in a day, blah, blah, blah. And it gets really exciting. But if that's taking, you know, a full day, whatever that is to set up, coordinate, maybe you have to do a call with them or research beforehand. Maybe you even have to travel for that VIP day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so like, let's just make up a number. 10 hours of your time, maybe more, got taken away from the membership to say yes to this. That does not necessarily help you grow in the way that you want to grow. It gives you a short-term win in terms of revenue, but it does not long-term actually help you build and grow the thing you want to grow. Now, there's something to be said for doing the thing that's just fun for you and isn't scalable in some ways. So I'm not saying don't do that. I think that can be really, really helpful, right? And really relevant sometimes in business to do, just say yes to the thing because it's like lining your soul up not because it's like the most scalable option, but if we're talking strictly from the point of like, I want my revenue to increase at a rate that significantly outpaces my expenses, then you really are going to have to say no sometimes. And you're going to have to feel convicted in that no and feel like you are so clear on the vision of where your business is going that you're not just saying yes to anything. And so that's kind of the second part of saying no to money is that you have to know what you're saying yes to. What are you so clear on? What are you so convicted in? What are you so sure that if it grows, your revenue outpaces your expenses and you truly do make way more in business? That's super important, right? And so I think that, again, it's not like you have to get so rigid about it where you're like, okay, I always say no to absolutely anything that doesn't scale. Like that's not it either. But it's doing it with intention versus reactivity. Again, I think at a certain point in your business, when you know you've really picked up a lot of momentum and people are reaching out asking for different things, it can get reactionary really quick. Where you're just like, someone asked me for a VIP day, I said yes to that. Someone asked me if I would do a one-off session, I said yes to that. Someone asked me if I would do one-on-one coaching, I never like planned on doing that again. But they, you know, really want to pay me X amount. I'm gonna like it's just easy to get reactive. And I know it sounds like, oh, those would be such nice problems to have to some extent. But also I think it's just like really important to be like, yes, and they're really confusing problems to have. And I think they start earlier than we all realize. Like you don't have to have 500 people banging down your door for this to be an issue. What you have to do is be in a place where taking your time and attention away from this thing that you know is growing your business is truly a problem that is not worth a bit of extra revenue right? Like which could happen at any time in your business, right? Like it could happen at the very beginning of your business, even where you have to say no to money. And so I think there's like all of the practical pieces of that that I just mentioned, but I think there's like a very real mindset component to that that is so important to work through as well, which is trusting yourself and your business enough to not see an offer of money as kind of like the last offer of money (laughs) coming in, right? Because at the beginning of our business, like sometimes it feels like, well, I just have to take this client. Like I, you know, like how could I not? Like I need to make money to sustain this and this is coming in. Then at a certain point in your business, you kind of have to get to a place where you're like, hey, I know there are lots of ways for me to make money and I don't think this is my last opportunity. I actually really believe in this thing that I'm growing and scaling. And so that's where I'm going to put my focus. And so I think that that's just really important to say. An example I'll use in my own business is a lot of people have asked me over the years for like doing group stuff, like specifically masterminds and things like that. And I absolutely know I could make a lot more money off that in my business and it would be like an easy gap. And honestly, it just makes sense. Like if you think about in terms of like having X amount of people on a wait list and stuff like it, it really does make sense for me to offer that. But where I scale in my business, i.e. where (laughs) revenue outpaces expenses is through the partnership model. And so for me to take my eye off that prize and to let go of maybe multiple partnership clients who take on a mastermind would be a short-term cash win. But long-term, it's not there for me in the same way in terms of how i built my business. I'm not saying masterminds aren't scalable, but I'm just saying for me in terms of like how I operate, how i built my business, how I scale. That would be like cash injection mentality versus like long-term scalability mentality. And it's still super hard though, right? Because it's like exciting to think about like, oh man, I could like start a mastermind and go have like a six-figure launch in and and right? Like it's so much to leave that on the table in favor of being like, okay, well, I'm like doubling down on these clients. And I think that's going to pay off more than six figures over time. But you really have to believe in and trust the thing. And so there's definitely a practical component in terms of like what makes sense here, but there's for sure a mindset component too. So that's the first one that's kind of like unconventional, but like so key. Another one that I think is true again, like these are yes, problems that are sometimes further along in your business, but really may be true at any level of your business. And the next one is you have to be willing to disappoint people. That is an absolute crucial thing for being able to scale. And I don't mean this in the way of like, let's do a big old caveat here. I do not mean this in the way of give shitty service, disappoint people on the quality of your product, blah, 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 blah. That is not what we are talking about here. Okay. At all. But we're talking about it in a lot of other ways. Like that thing I just said, like people asking you for something and you having to say no. People asking, you know, to to have more access to you and you having to say no. People asking if you'll do this VIP day with them, like the example I gave and you having to say no. It can be so hard to disappoint people in this way. Even like, I think a lot of people who have started a business know this feeling too of like, even maybe a bunch of people from your previous life come in and are like, hey, can I just pick your brain? Can I just like, you know, have coffee with you and pick your brain?" And you have to say no and disappoint them sometimes because you don't have the capacity to say yes to all the things and to do all the things. And I think that, you know, sometimes we think like the way to scale is to like make everyone as happy as possible, right? And it's actually not it. Like the way we scale is being willing to disappoint a lot of people sometimes. I have personally struggled with this quite a lot in my business. Like I feel like in some ways, I feel like the waitlist is like the ultimate disappointer (laughs) in my business. And I don't, you know, I'm not saying that in like a self deprecating way. I think it's just like a reality of like, you, you find this coach online. You really like her. You listen to our podcast. She's great. You go to her sales page and it's like, oh, it's a list. And then for a long time, I didn't even talk about how many people were on my list because I felt like that would be super disheartening or disappointing to people. And so now I even talk about it. And I'm like, I don't even know the number at this point, right? But I know we're over 500. And it's like, then that's even more disappointment. And like being able to hold that or like someone, you know, I'll get emails from time to time, of people being like, hey, this is a long shot. I really, 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 really want to work with you. Here's what's up. And like having to say no and disappoint people in that way, it fucking sucks, right? But it is an absolute requirement to scalability without burnout, right? Because the burnout factor is so real. If the way or if you think your strategy for scaling is not disappointing anyone, this might even mean like another example that I have that I used to struggle with and have had to really work through is disappointing people in terms of like your response time. And I don't mean clients, but I mean like in DMs or whatever, like sometimes it takes me like a week or two to respond. Not always at at all, but sometimes it does. And like the disappointment of that for me and for them, I think is real. Like, oh, it's like really disappointing that I like, can't get back to everyone. It's maybe disappointing for them that they reached out and I don't have like a pretty immediate response. Like there is a lot of that, but what it helps you do is challenge the right places because I'm willing to disappoint people over here. I'm able to, give my clients a really amazing experience because I'm willing to have long response times on Instagram. I'm able to have short response times with my clients. You see what I mean? And so it's like, it's not just like disappointing people for the sake of like being too cool for school or like feeling exclusive or not being able to be fucking bothered with DMs. Like, it's not that, right? It's, I know if I say yes to all of this, then inherently something is going to give. And I don't want it to be client satisfaction or client service. So there's one place that that has to happen. And so I feel like that's another more like unconventional thing. And quite honestly, like a lot of people in our space, and I know this is like not everyone but I feel like a lot of people in our space do the opposite, where they're like, oh, "I'll get to my clients," but I have DMs of people waiting that need to hear from me, or like, "Oh, I could move that client call because I want to schedule this VIP day." And stuff, right? Like, it's almost like we're more willing. I think again, not everyone, but I think sometimes for people, it's like they're more willing to disappoint or say no to current people that have already paid them instead of the opposite. And like, that'll work for a little bit, but I can tell you for sure that's not scalable. It's not sustainable. And that's like not what builds long-term success because if you're always willing to push clients aside to get the next client, that stops working at a certain point. And that is not actually a scalable model just from a straight business perspective, let alone from like a fucking human being perspective, right? But I think that's so important to look at, right? Where it's like, do you have your eye on the prize over here? Which is like with your delivery, your client service. If you do, you might have to be willing to disappoint a lot of people in the meantime in other ways. And that is what is going to give you a scalable business. When you're like, I know who I serve. I know what's important. I know where my time needs to go. And if everything else has to take a long time because of that, that's what it is, right? Right. So anyway, I feel like that's another really important one is, yeah, you have to disappoint a lot of people. I feel like almost every single client I have that has like walked through big growth and success. that is such an edge that they come up against that they have to rework their brain around and rework their priorities around and figure out like what matters and where you can disappoint people and where you can't and like how that impacts them and how that impacts the business. like there's so much to rework there. but again, I feel like, it's just not the thing that we always talk about, you know? And again, it's like, sometimes it gets pushed off to the actual paying clients and that's not it either. So really important to note that you have to say no to money, you have to be willing to disappoint people. Those are our first two. And, you know, I think that both of those feel super shitty to a lot of us. And I think this is where a fear of success can come in sometimes where it's like, oh my gosh, if I grew at X amount, like I would have to just, people, like, Whoa. Right or like oh I'd actually like say no to money like I don't want to do that I want to be saying yes to money so it's important to hear these things and it's important to be able to like work through some of these things mindset wise maybe before you even get there because if not it's easy to push that success away you know Shantae says totally it reminds me of the podcast with you and Julia where one of her original edges was not giving it all away in lower tiered offers and not in a catty way, but in a genuine way, especially when high access one-on-one coaching is involved. I hope that makes sense 100%, right? It's like she had to know, like, where are my priorities? Where am I, like, putting things in the right places at the right time? Which might mean sometimes in a lower offer, I have to disappoint someone that they don't get, like, all of me one-on-one. Right. But I'm still delivering on the product or service in the way that, like, I agreed, but there is like a disappointment there of, like, yeah, when you're here, like, I can't be your one on one coach. And I think that that's really, really hard to do because, like, most of us got into this for the right reasons where you want to help people. And so having to say no, having to disappoint, having to work that edge feels so counterintuitive. Right. And again, it just also doesn't get talked about a ton. Um, so then it feels like you're the only one experiencing it. And you're like, wait, why am I the one that has to like disappoint people? What am I doing wrong? What am I missing? And it spirals versus being like, everyone has to deal with this. You know, you still get supported, but it looks different and it is hard to hold for sure. Absolutely. It really, really is. And I think not only is it, is it hard to hold, it's hard to give yourself permission to do that, right? Because it feels wrong, Right. But again, when you're like, wait, being willing to like disappoint people in my DMs is what allows me to serve people here. And I think the thing our industry misses so much is the trade-off thing. Like that's constantly what I'm talking about is I feel like our entire industry kind of like shares this message of like, you can have it all and there are no trade-offs. And it's like, no, I just, no, right? That's just not how it works. Like you have a certain amount of time in the day. That's how it fucking works, Right. And so if you're serving everyone in your DMs, obviously there is gonna be trade-offs. So when you can kind of like go, how do these trade-offs actually fit into scaling? You get empowered around them. You get to make the right decisions, you get to actually not disappoint, you know, clients because you thought about this intentionally instead of being like messy as fuck about it or thinking that like you shouldn't have trade-offs. And so you're trying to not and you're trying to juggle all the balls. Like what's that thing, right? Where they talk about juggling balls and they're like, some balls are plastic, some balls are glass. You want to make sure you don't drop the glass ones. And I feel like that's this, right? Your clients that are, you know, paying you and are your, like have engaged your services. You have said yes to them. Like you don't want to drop those glass balls, right? Like your DMs are a plastic ball. Like it's fine. It'll bounce. You know, it's not going to break, like whatever. But I think you you really have to be intentional about knowing what that is. Brittany said, just hosted a masterclass called Fuck Yes Minds. I was kind of on this wish. Most people, more people were open about this topic. Yes. Okay. Next unconventional strategy for scaling. You have to release control. And I feel like most people, when they're thinking about scaling, they're like, how can I control this more? Almost, Right. How do we make it so systematic? How do I control every piece of it more and more? Especially as like more people are coming into your world, like it almost makes you want to grip it tighter. Coming from a, I always say former control freak, but I don't know if that's true. Coming from a constantly in recovery control freak. Like I know this lesson and you have to be willing to release control. You have to start seeing your business as something bigger than you that you cannot be the sole controller of. I was actually talking to one of my clients about this recently because her business has grown a really significant amount in a short amount of time. And she was saying like so many people are in her DMs asking her questions and stuff. And she's like, you know, like trying to figure out like how she can answer all of them. And I'm like, you can't, you have to have a customer service team now. And she's like, oh, you know, and it's, it's so hard because in one way she's so fucking sick of answering questions in her DMs because it's a lot and it's overwhelming and she can't keep up. And it feels like, why are people constantly asking me that? Again, it almost gets personal, right? And in another sense, she doesn't want to give up that control because there's still a part of her that likes having that, right? And so scaling looks like releasing a lot of control. It does not look like always controlling more, which, you know, again, I feel like is counterintuitive and maybe feels more unconventional and is not how most people talk about it when they talk about scaling. They talk about like, having this perfect well-oiled machine and and in. And. And like, yeah, that's true. But the well-oiled machine works because you're letting these pieces of the machine work without you having to get in and fuck around with and tinker with it all the time. And that's actually what's really true here is we have to be willing to release control in order to let our business get bigger than us. If we are never willing for that to happen, we're never willing to release that control. Your business cannot grow past your capacity, you know? For me, obviously that looks a little bit different and that I'm not necessarily releasing control in the sense of like other people supporting my clients or whatever, but it's like I've had to release so much control in terms of like how my clients show up or you know what that looks like for them because I obviously make money when they make money and so I can't be in their business every day. I have to like do the coaching, give the support, release control and that's how we scale. Like Someone else might be the opposite. It might be like, cool, I have like a lower ticket program and I have support coaches in there. And like the only way this business grows beyond that is if I release control and trust those coaches and trust that I've trained them right and have a good system in place to so mostly like release them, like, oh, right. Again, not at the sake of shitty delivery, but in the sense of like not being so in it that they can't go do the job that they have been like well trained to do. And I think that that's just so crucial is seeing it as like, yeah, this is actually where I release more, not hold it tighter. And you know, a lot of us don't want to do that. That feels bad. And again, this is where I think the mindset of like a fear of success really comes up. So it's like, wait, I'm going to have to say no to money. I'm going to have to disappoint people. I'm going to have to release more control. Like all of that can feel bad. So if you can start working on some of those mindset pieces now, it actually makes it easier when you get there. Because If you tell yourself the whole time, oh, I'm fine scaling because I'll just control every bit of it. Good luck. (laughs) Every one of these edges is going to feel like a freaking wall. You know, it's going to feel like you're hitting wall after wall after wall and trying to grow. If you won't let go of control or you don't want to disappoint people or whatever, like it's going to feel like you're hitting a brick wall all the time. And so even if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I mean, like this isn't a thing I'm dealing with at the moment good. Start doing mindset work on it now then, (laughs) because it will be. And you want to let that happen. You want to get yourself there. You want to be like, okay, I'm primed to know that I trust myself to disappoint people in the right ways at the right time. I'm primed to say, I trust myself to say no to money when it interferes with what I'm ultimately trying to create. I trust myself to release control and, you know, trust the clients I have or trust the people I've hired in the right way. Like so key. So that's the, that's the other one we have to be willing to release control. The last one I want to talk about is you have to say, st- stop taking action on every good idea. My clients always say this one. At the beginning of your business, right? In some ways, like your good ideas are what fuels everything. And you have to be so like, find that internal motivation off of an idea at the beginning where it's like, okay, I have a great idea. I'm going to run with it because you're not getting such a strong outside feedback loop. You know, like you have to bring the excitement and energy, you have to chase the idea, you have to go after the thing. Like that's what starts businesses. You know what I mean? It's so important. And then later, that's what will drag your business into the ground. So it feels really counterintuitive because you're like, wait, this this helped me so much. Why does it feel like it's not helping me now? So the reason it works at the beginning is because that's required, right? Like you need a lot of these good ideas without the kind of like external feedback on that. And then later, like everyone will give you an idea and every idea you have is good. You know, like everyone you talk to be like, oh my God, you know what would be so good for you to do in your business? Like everyone that like I love and, and would love advice from will say to me, too, you, know you should do with that 500 person wait list. I'm like, yeah, I've got about 500 good ideas that go with it. You know, it's not like there's an absence of ideas there. It's just that they don't make sense for me right now. They don't make sense for what I'm ultimately trying to create. They don't make sense for the 10-seat bar. That is my business and that is my vision. So the more you grow, the more not only you have a million good ideas, but so does everyone around you. And it can be so fucking tough not to pursue them. And it's it's an absolute requirement because now not only do you have like three really good ideas that you kind of had that like started the business off at the beginning, you maybe have 30 Plus, you have an audience that might buy them from you. So the temptation is so real, right? And not only is the temptation so real, but it's like, it it encompasses almost everything else that we've talked about in terms of like the good idea thing, right? Where it's like, it encompasses like not having to disappoint people because someone has the like someone gave me this great idea or somebody really wants this idea. And it encompasses not having to say no to money because like, this is a great idea and I could make really good money off of it. And it encompasses like, not having to release control. She's like, I could take this forward. I could run with this. I could actually... So this one is the end one that I wanted to talk about because this one encompasses almost every other one. And it's why it's so hard not to do because it just seems so good. right? I'm just going to follow this new idea and then nobody's going to be disappointed. I'm going to make gobs of money and I'm going to still like be able to control it all. And it just sounds so okay. And... It is a recipe for disaster. It is a recipe for burnout. It is a recipe for being completely reactive in your business versus intentional because you're chasing every idea, right? Meanwhile, having to serve the clients off the back of that. Like when I see people that have business models that are like launching something new every, I mean, literally there are people that are doing it every day, right? But even like every week or something like that, I'm like, Holy fuck. The amount of delivery you are now on the hook for is insane, and like, yes, that might be a good idea, and you might be making great money from it. But the amount of delivery you're on the hook for is insane. And there's no fucking way you're actually delivering an incredibly valuable thing at that amount. unless you stop sleeping. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? But like your delivery skyrockets, and then your the value of that is going to have to come down because trade-offs are real. We all have twenty four hours in a day, right? Like that pull. Is going to happen, or what is what am I trying to say? Like, that's going to happen inversely. Is that the right way to say that? You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to say. On the hook for more, the delivery is going to go down. Like, that's a real thing. And so, you have to be really careful because this is the stuff that can really hurt a business over time. I've seen this with so many people in our industry, and I'm not calling out anyone's visibility by any means. I'm not even saying it's their fault. I think it just happens sometimes, and you don't even realize it's happening where you scale so, so quickly and you are on the hook for a lot more and your service goes down. And so you were a business that was like really serving your clients, helping people in amazing ways, had such good like vibes and referrals. And like, there was just like such an amazing buzz. And then you get to this point, then all of a sudden it feels like things are nosediving, And it's like, yeah, because what probably happened is the amount you're on the hook for went up, Your ability to bring depth and excellence and all of that to it probably went down significantly. And your audience isn't going to hang for that for too long, right? Like you can only ride that wave of like, we were at such an amazing point until we weren't for so long. And I know that that's like kind of really shitty to say and hear, but like I think we've all seen that happen with businesses in this space. And it's a really hard thing to come back from. Brittany said I've scaled so slowly. I wish I was faster. Totally. And listen, I I get that there are two sides of this. Like, I'm not saying go as you have to go so slowly either. I mean, certainly like you can go more quickly, but it's it's not through every good idea, is kind of the point there, right? But sometimes there is something to be said for slow growth because it's what actually creates sustainability versus sometimes that quick. Shot that you kind of can't maintain that like plummets it. Jess, that I don't know what that means. Oh, okay. Jess, I always say a lit up life is like a ten seat bar, and so that's how I think about our business. That's how I think about our model. Like I want to be an amazing ten seat bar with a line out the door kind of thing. For some reason, that always helps me to have. I, I think about that with clients sometimes. Like, what's the comparable business to this? Like, one of my clients is like, oh, I'm Target, and she has like all these. Values and ways that she feels like she aligns with like their model and how they operate. And so for me, like my value and alignment is like ten seat bar. So it's like I picture like craft cocktails that have like so much like love and passion poured into them, and they're not like the most like I I couldn't like package them up and put it in a can on the store shelf and sell millions of them. But like the people that come into that bar are like obsessed with them, and like they feel like they get so much like you know, love and and juice out of that, right? And then like, yes, there's line out the door and sometimes you have to wait, but it feels so worth it. Because when you get in, you have such an amazing experience that feels like that was, you know, worth standing in line for. Like I could go on and on for days about that because I've thought about this extensively, as you can tell. But my point in seeing the 10 seat bar thing was that's like my vision for a lit up life. That's how I see our business. That's how I want to run. Like and the 10 seat bar, When it becomes a two hundred seat bar, it it is just a different business model, and it's not bad, but it's different, and like that's just not what I want to run right now. And so, like, I just try to make every decision with that in mind, kind of thing. And there's no like, it's not like ten seat bar is the right model or anything. It's just like for me that is, and so that's what I try to make decisions from. If that makes sense, I think the the reason I brought that up is because it was more just like the intentionality of running it. Like that, instead of saying yes to a bunch of things and then realizing that I absolutely don't have a 10 C bar anymore, you know, like someone comes to you and it's like, Hey, I actually think it'd be amazing if we partner and I served apps there. And they're like, okay. And then someone next door is like, Hey, the space next door opened, like, let's knock it down and partner on adding more things. And you are just saying yes to all of these good ideas. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, wait, I don't own a 10 C bar anymore. Like, I have partners and I have, you know, a 200 seat restaurant and, and and like, it's like, that would be fine if that was the intentionality of it. But if you got there accidentally, because you said yes to a lot of good ideas, like that wouldn't feel the same. So that's kind of why I always try to like think about it in that way and have that like, nope, this is not that kind of thing. You know, it helps me a lot, a lot when I feel stuck on. A choice I'm making or a decision in business, I really do try to bring it back to that, and it helps me quite a bit to be like, okay, what's the 10 bar doing here? And it really does feel good that way. So, yeah. But that's why the like good idea thing can it can take fire so much in a way where your business can become unrecognizable to you and can be so far from like what the initial intent was. Because yes, 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 good idea, good idea, good idea. So many yeses can lead you really far away from like kind of that vision. So I think like, you know, an important point there is like have the vision, know what that is. And then the second point is like, you have to be willing to say no to some of those good ideas. You have to be willing to parking lot shit. I have like a whole board of shit that I have like put in a parking lot that I may come back to. I may never come back to. It just lives somewhere that it's not in my head and I cannot feel the pressure to kind of like run with all of it. and so. Even It's so interesting. I, I went to a retreat on Monday and Tuesday of last week. It was so lovely. And I got this like really good idea from one of the women there that I just felt like, oh my God, I'm such a yes to that. And the first thought that I had, which I'm so glad I have trained myself to do this, is what has to come off my plate instead. right? It wasn't just like, yes, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to do it. It was like, that is such a good idea. And I feel so aligned to that. And so what is getting taken away? Right. And again, it's like that trade off mentality that none of us really want to have, but like is real and is true. And so in order for me to execute on this good idea, I have had to like really intentionally decide what other thing I'm stopping on. And if I can't pick another thing I'm stopping on, then I like wouldn't do that here. I do have a thing I can stop on, but that stopping is also a big decision. And so that's something I always tell clients too is like when you're saying yes to something, you're inherently saying no to something else. And so do both of those feel good, right? Because sometimes when we think, like, oh, I'm just scaling, I'm adding this, I'm adding this, right? It's like you don't think about, well, like, I will have to intentionally say no to something else, whatever that might be. Like, if that might be no to being on live streams more or no to being on social more or No to being able to write your own weekly emails, or maybe it's like no to more time with your family because instead you have this other thing you said yes to. And so when we can really look at what those are, it's not always easier to make the decision, but it's easier to do it in a way that's scalable. It's easier to do it in a way that actually gets you closer to your vision and aligns you with that instead of further away. So really not the easiest thing. Absolutely crucial for scaling your business in the way that you intend to, having a business that is built on intention and not reactivity, actually being able to make more revenue without eating into profit all the time because you're not just saying yes to more and then having to delegate more and it getting so messy so quickly. So I just want to like recap a little bit. Belinda said, all I know is right now I'm craving simplicity, less is more. Yeah, totally my saying for this year, not my word of the year, but just like a saying I'm very like locked in on this year is less better. And I've been like putting that lens on everything I do. What does it look like to do less here better? What does it look like to do less here better? And it's like really made a big difference. So yeah, totally less is more. I agree. Okay. So recap, unconventional strategies for scaling. You have to say no to money. You have to be willing to disappoint people. You have to be willing to release control, let the business get bigger than you. You have to stop taking action on every good idea. Hard and not the traditional, you know, advice. I think when it comes to scaling, but why it's so important to say these things is because I do really think they come up for everyone. And and if we're not talking about them enough, it can feel like something is wrong with us. Like why can't I cannot tell you how many clients I've had say to me, why can't I seem to find the space to execute on all these good ideas? And I'm like, Cause, like. All of us struggle with that. That's only like a you problem. You're not like messed up. That's like this is how this works, right? You know, we're like, why? why do I feel like I'm like disappointing people now? Like that's not a you problem, right? So it's like so helpful to be like, oh, these are just parts of the business growing bigger than me of the business scaling in new ways. These are not like personality flaws of you, right? And if you're not quite at that point, there are mindset things that you know you can start looking at and working through now, which will make it easier as you grow. Because if not, each of these things can kind of make you hit the brakes on your own growth. Because you're like, oh, no, no, no. I'm willing to grow, but I don't want to release control. <laughs> right? Or like, oh, no, no, no. I want to scale, but I don't actually want to disappoint anyone. while well, I do that. Right? So... Breaks, breaks, breaks. So if you can start looking at these things now and being like, Ooh, which one would be the most intense for me as I got there? Can I start thinking about that? Can I start writing to that? Can I start getting comfortable with that idea? Can I start figuring out what that might look like in a way that actually feels okay to me? And that, you know, serves me and is aligned with my values and my intentions and all of those things. So important, important strategies, not always the most fun to talk about, but always, always, always. The most important to be intentional about vigilance around the vision and boundaries that preserve the bounty. Oh my goodness, listen to you, Nova. I feel like we need like a post on that or a graphic or something like that is that is some great, great words and copy there. so good. Love, love, love boundaries that preserve the bounty. So good. yeah, I mean, I think you just summed it up. We can just end there. You're <laughs> right there. But yeah, that's all I got for today. I hope that that was helpful. Thank you for spending your time with me today. Something that Sabrina said last season that I thought was really helpful was how a lot of people didn't always give her feedback, I'm sure, for this boundaries stuff that we're talking about. I'm sure people were going on and bug her. I don't want to be in her DMs a lot, whatever. Feel free to give Angie feedback. If she, She can worry about her own boundaries, right? If she cannot answer you for two weeks, then she won't answer you for two weeks. But I'm sure she would love to know that it is impactful and it's meaningful and that, you know, if something resonates with you, you're willing to tell her that. So please, please feel free to reach out to Angie if, you know, this is serving you and feels good. And, you know, obviously if you reach out to me, I will be diligent about passing the message on better than I was last season. So very exciting. Great, great, great to just name that if it comes up for you throughout the season. And yeah, I can't wait to hear what y'all think. So let us know and I will talk to you very soon. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to Literally. I am forever grateful to you for being part of our journey and spending your time with us each week. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. So please leave us a review. Each month I'll be picking a reviewer to give my MSC bundle to as a thank you for listening. This bundle combines trainings and workbooks that walk you through a condensed version of the work I do with my one-on-one clients through my mindset strategy and execution framework. And remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living lit up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. And if you want more tips and strategies for growing and scaling your own business, but are short on time, then you're going to want to opt into my private podcast feed, Back Pocket Business Mentor. You'll get immediate access to a private podcast feed full of tons of three-minute episodes where I talk about everything from how to pick a strategy and business model that works for you, to how to show up online as an expert and increase your conversions. Just go to a lituplife.com forward slash backpocket to dive in.